1: Good morning and welcome to The Morning Briefing for Wednesday, March 29th, 2018. I mean March 28th, not 29th. It's okay. It's a Wednesday. Things like that happen. And on a Wednesday, other things happen. To let you know about them, I am your host, Eric Dame. Jake Hughes is your producer. And coming up on today's show, it's a big one. We're going to be joined by the American Legion's Deputy Director of National Security, Freddie Gessner. We welcome Freddie back to the show, and he's going to be here to fill us in on the latest developments involving TRICARE and the commissary system. What changes are coming down the road, you ask, and how will they affect the veteran community? You're going to have to wait until Freddie gets here in just a little bit to find out. Later, retired Brigadier General John Rose and Master Sergeant Felder will be in studio to discuss the Vietnam War Veterans Day, which is tomorrow on Thursday, the 29th. So this is a big, full show, and it's even more full than what I've already mentioned, because first, we need to welcome a couple people to the studio. First up, we have our super producer, JQs. Oh, the boo birds are out, Jay. Really uh, on. I
2: think, first off, I think they're saying boo's
1: right but your name isn't burns so even if they are that means that they're cheering for someone else it's just i'm just pointing out the facts and i'll also point out another fact and that we have a special guest co-host as we welcome back to the show marine corps veteran and the founder and ceo of lifelit media eric mitchell oh and i there you go the crowd was muted
3: Wow, the crowd is better than big st- Boo burns. Yeah, they were <laughs> stunned.
2: They were stunned into silence by you.
3: <laughs> or, or they're all from the West Coast and still sleeping. And we're like, what? Yeah, wow. it, it took a second.
1: Where, or, like you know, where they'll be like, "What is he really here?" And then they saw you walk out into the room. That happens occasionally, where they'll be like, "And now, please welcome to the ring, Hulk Hogan." Of course, Hulk Hogan's persona non grata in the WWE these days, or so I hear. I'm not someone who watches it. Even though it's based out of my hometown, Stanford, Connecticut. That's where the uh, the WWF, as I like to call it.
3: I think it still is. To me, that's what I call when it. When I was I'm a kid break. and when I watched it and when
1: we went to our Little League uh, Awards breakfast thing, it was at the WWF building. So, uh, you know, you can change your name if you want. That doesn't mean I have to call you by it. And there you go. Vince, what do you say about them apples? I think that's how the saying goes. Eric Mitchell, as I mentioned, founder and CEO of Life Flip Media, which is really the premier public relations and public uh, 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 magnification firm for veteran-owned companies out there. I mean, we are talking companies like Strikeforce Energy, who was just on the show yesterday, Combat Flip Flops, all sorts of other organizations that you're involved with. So before we get to talking about the news Let's talk about LifeFlip. How are things going for LifeFlip Media? I see you on social media all the time saying things are just getting better and better and better. Tell us how better they're getting.
3: They're getting awesome. Uh, sorry, every time I come on here, I feel like we have the hockey stick effect going on, but it's been <laughs> outstanding. Uh, we're growing like crazy, working with uh, actually getting into some uh, automobile racing. You'll see our team out uh, April 7th oh, Wow, uh, at the IndyCar race. Oh, nice. Uh, the military car uh, is driven by, two years ago, IndyCar... Indy 500 champion Alexander Rossi. Okay. Uh, young, awesome American racer who just go. loves America, loves veterans. So he's driving that car to support vets in uh Phoenix and he's like a top rated racer. I mean, he yeah. just finished in the top 3. Alex is awesome. So I'm not
1: a race guy. Like I the, my extent my 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 extent of knowledge of racing comes from the era where Brad Keselowski drove the Navy NASCAR car because I worked for the Navy at that time and I was the public affairs guy for the Daytona nice. region. So I knew him, David Stremi, when he drove the Navy car before Keselowski, but even I have heard Mr. Rossi's name of course. When you're an Indy 500 winner, that's one of those things, man. It sticks out and everybody mind it doesn't matter if you watch uh racing or not if you are a uh, a fan of sports you're going to hear a name like who won the indy 500 absolutely. so rossi's absolutely someone who's up there so that's pretty okay. big for
3: you guys so we're going to be working with them uh also working with uh, grace balding uh originally from virginia uh races in the monster series for nascar mm. so doing some work at nascar and then doing a whole bunch of events uh military influencers conference is coming up again. Uh, in September, so we're doing wow. everything there. So yeah, really busy, and bringing on some awesome clients. I know you, this week you've been blessed to have two of them that we work yeah, with. Yeah, we had
1: Rudy Reyes on yesterday, man. Rudy, I, let Rudy. me tell you, that, that guy, guy, I asked like five questions in 25 minutes, and Rudy yeah. just he goes he does not slow down that man
3: and he doesn't drink coffee either
1: no and he's also he's he's not <laughs> okay so he may look much younger than I am but he's older than me I believe Rudy's like 46 47 years he's old
3: 47 he's a vampire he's got, the,
1: he's got the energy of a like a, an 18 year old fresh out of boot camp marine but he's a, a former recon marine of course played played Rudy Reyes in Generation Kill which we were talking about before the show and now is doing amazing things with Force Blue mm-hmm. and also with his career you know working as an actor doing personal training doing motivational speaking the guy's got energy for days and he oh. doesn't even use coffee as you said how about strike force energy does he use strike force energy
3: he's going to he doesn't know. <laughs> everyone should it's healthy for you i told him it was every, i tell everybody that because everybody that's the funny thing about strike force and it's funny i use it i use it on the plane yesterday i was yeah. like can i get just you know a sparkling water, which is funny because it's really just seltzer water, but you're supposed to call it sparkling water. If you're fancy, if yeah, you're fancy, and you clearly are very fancy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. What well, the you
1: perks just, of celebrity? Most you know? Marines, oh, most Marines are fancy. That we I've drink found. our
3: sparkling water with our pinkies up too. By the way, it's they do what we do.
1: Now ask them to spell sparkling water, and you got oh, a problem on man. your hands. But they know the right way to drink it. <laughs> hey, that's like the question <laughs> I wrote that on social media the other
3: day. I asked. I was looking for new books to read, and uh, I put, "What's your top three books?" And I was surprised. Either my friend base is different, but nobody went for the easy Marine Corps joke. Like, what? Oh, yeah. A coloring book, bro. That's Paw what you need. Coloring yeah, book you know, or nobody something went with like anything that. easy to like pick on me. Yeah, you, Everybody actually, else was like, you actually
2: got to read the back of the <laughs> crayon box.
1: <laughs> I had the. Uh, I saw that last night, and man, I'm telling you, my laptop is dying, which is a problem because I do a lot of my work from home. I send emails, I write stories for the website, I do a lot of that stuff from home. My laptop keyboard. I did an update, a Windows update, and after that, I have to press each key like ten times to get it to write the letters. So I think I'm gonna have to buy a new laptop. It's yeah four or five years old it's probably about time so i wasn't able to respond to that but i was thinking and my answer <laughs> i'll Aww. give it to you in person
3: Ooh, even in, better
1: in the garden of beasts by eric larson which is a historical fiction uh, book so it's a true story based on people's um personal accounts and their personal writings and diaries of the ambassador and his family to germany from the united states in the years leading up to world war ii so after hitler had taken power before the outbreak of world war ii a very intriguing shows the russian involvement and how they were looking at things. really a fascinating book that's a great one the glory of their times is the story of uh the the early days of baseball told by the men who played it it's a fantastic book and then the third one is um i don't know pick your favorite coloring book that's the one paw patrol on patrol the coloring book and that it. one it's got a lot fewer words in it but I think you're going to not only enjoy filling it in but enjoy the tasty treats that you'll be able to use
2: to awesome. do so yeah. the and color great yeah. do you like fiction books or are you only looking for non-fiction I'm looking
3: for anything I just any kind of book. For,
2: for fiction books I highly recommend anything by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child yeah. they write uh, murder mysteries with slight supernatural overtones they're really intriguing books a lot of fun to read so check them out
1: I changed my third one oh. alright so this is an independent <laughs> control anymore Uh, no it's an independently published book i made it it's a photo book of just rudy reyes pictures and you just get lost in his eyes as you flip through the pages which we were talking about this the other day too and we'll have to be sure to send this conversation to rudy we were talking about this the other day and and as i said i'm gonna have rudy reyes on the show and a couple people knew who rudy was a couple people a couple of our younger people didn't Probably haven't seen Generation Kill. They definitely should. It's fantastic. Also has that uh, tall Swedish gentleman from uh, True Blood in there, right? Alexander Sarsgaard. A bunch of other people who are in. It. It's fantastic. Uh, fantastic miniseries on HBO about the Marine Corps entering into Iraq in two thousand three. Um, the I said, well, I'm going to have Rudy. And who's Rudy Ray? As I said, I'm going to tell you this. He may be the most beautiful man to have ever served in uniform, and I am very comfortable saying that. And it's a fact that they point out in Generation Kill several times that it's okay to think Rudy's beautiful. Everybody does. And uh, one of our members, Kayla, came over and said, I'll be the judge of that, walked over. And I so I brought up a picture of Rudy, one of his modeling shots, and just got a whoo. That was the response I got. She was like, yeah, is he coming in studio or is he calling in over the phone? So uh, hopefully Rudy will be able to join us in studio at some day. And if he does, uh, he, he may be leaving here with a date or something. I don't know. You know, We'll see.
3: You'll just have to make sure there's a uh, – you understand he doesn't like to keep his shirt on?
1: Oh, yes. I mean, you Google Rudy Reyes and click on the Google image thing. Never. It seems like he'll be getting interviewed for like Better Homes and Gardens, and it'll be a picture of him climbing out of a pool yeah. with no shirt on and the tiniest <laughs> shorts, and I appreciate all of it. He may be walking out of here with a date, and it may be me or Jake. We will fight <laughs> over Rudy when he gets here. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, taking a look around the world of uh, of entrepreneurship and veterans, of course, other companies that deal with Bottle Breacher and Eli Crane and the rest. I mean, there's so many great companies that uh, that LifeFlip represents and deals with. Long live the veteran brotherhood. I see you got that awesome yeah, shirt That's Eli's thing. Right? Eli. So you bring up Eli, Eli, and I'm yep. like, hello, I'm wearing that shirt is. for a reason. The, uh, the, what do you think the state is of the veteran entrepreneur is? is it growing is it kind of at a at a at a stasis point is it shrinking how are we looking as far as veteran
3: entrepreneurs i ha- i have to tell you this again it's weird i'm going to be bringing up social media again i made a post this weekend looking for an article just need a couple names i wrote i was like hey we should write a couple names down can you give a couple names i want to do an article wall street journal on some under 1 million dollar in revenue veteran startups right i did that friday night went to bed I, I was I asked my wife. I was like, "Do you think this is okay?" I don't want to irritate anybody and say oh, you only make up to a million dollars. Being that conscientious, don't want to, yeah. you know, don't, don't want anybody mad at me. I wake up the next morning and there's over like a hundred comments in there. My DM is full. It was amazing to see. I, I think we're better than ever. I think right. we have a lot of up and coming, and I think one of the big focuses now I see, especially with our community, is everyone's not just focused on being the veteran and their brand being veteran centric. Is they're a small business that's growing and they're like, yes, I'm a veteran, but that doesn't mean like that's my business. It just, I think that's the difference between our community and all the others is we see each other as, yep, we're veterans. What does that mean? It means, yeah, I'm a vet, but we also help our community. We want to educate each other. But a lot of veteran businesses give back to veteran charities. Mm -hmm. And when you support a veteran business, you're actually help truly helping America because they hire vets. They hire Americans. They're made here in America, and you're giving back to the economy. I guess it comes back to that $1.4 trillion in business that the SBA estimates that veterans, our community, spends alone every year. So, small number.
1: It's a big deal, and it's also, you know, people may think, first off, of... An Eli Crane, who's been on Shark Tank with Bottle Breacher, which is kind of military themed. Or you might think of uh, Strike Force, which has a trident on it and is co founded yeah. by a Navy SEAL. There are plenty of veteran businesses who aren't doing anything within that realm where it's kind of, uh, uh, you know, focusing on their service, where they're starting other businesses that have nothing to do with the veteran community uh, specifically, other than the person founding that company is a veteran. So there's that aspect that may not be as visible to people, but it's certainly out there, isn't
3: yeah. it? I mean, I see. It with uh, Chad uh, Chad Grills and Ian Faison, a West Pointer, they have a publication that's on um, the platform Medium called The Mission, and they have this great podcast. Salesforce jumped into it, but you would never go on there. The only reason you know they're veterans is by reading their byline. Right. You would never know that this is a veteran-owned company doing amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. So I-, I think our community is better than ever right now, and it's great to represent everybody. And you see them on TV more and more i love seeing yeah. everybody on tv it's, yeah. it's exciting it makes us feel better. And i've
1: seen a lot of your clients on on various places fox business fox and friends we've seen them all over the place there. that mark
3: rockefeller guy he that
1: mark it. rockefeller he's another one you know him and rudy could do a calendar together just put the two of them on there wow. just posing and glaring off into the middle distance not looking at anything in particular and their energy level son- at all times
3: <laughs> it's so high i mean i always when i'm around we were just we actually this is Second time in two weeks I've been in the beautiful D.C. Virginia Maryland area, Uh, and uh, you know we were yeah we were with (laughs) we were with Mark uh, just last week and we actually went on like a five mile run together. And Mark's just high energy, but when he got done, he still is like this—you know—perfect hair. Yeah, where I look like I'm dead after a run. And I don't like
1: driving five miles running. My least favorite part now that I've started uh, getting back in, trying to get back into shape, and going to jujitsu is uh, the warm-ups at the beginning, which is also where I hurt my elbow doing a (laughs) cartwheel—stupid cartwheel. cartwheel. I don't know why they have us doing (laughs) cartwheels anyway, but I uh, hyperextended my elbow. Not anything cool. Not like oh man, yeah, the guy got me. Ripped my arm off. No, I was trying to do a cartwheel, and it was a really bad cartwheel and you know all that stuff. So there's certainly a lot of great movement in the veteran entrepreneur community, and LifeLit Media is a big part of that. Now, let's take a turn and look at what's taking place in the world of news surrounding the military and veteran communities. Well, we've got one, and this is uh, something near and dear to your heart, because as we may or may not have mentioned – Eric Mitchell is also a Marine Corps veteran, along with being the CEO of Life Flip Media, serving in the Marine Force recon community during his time. in. there is uh, this report that came out, I believe it was just within the last couple of days, of a Marine recruit at boot camp in San Diego has died. That was announced on Sunday. He was pronounced dead at 1143 a.m. on Sunday at an off-base medical facility. That's according to MCRD San Diego in their news release. His name has not yet been released. Now, they say supporting the uh, the troops' family, the recruits' family, is their top priority and they continue to work closely with them. Uh, a drill instructor had recognized the re- recruit experiencing a medical issue and administered CPR until paramedics arrived one of those horrible things that happens in boot camp, um, I suppose the positive you could take out of this is that it wasn't a suicide, like that awful story that we've heard that came out of Paris Island with the, the, the Marine Corps recruit who apparently was put inside of a clothes dryer and harassed for his religion and all sorts of other stuff like that. Uh, this is a, a medical issue, but goes to show that, honestly, from the day, well, using the Marine Corps as an example, the day you set foot on those yellow footprints, uh, you are putting your life on the line, either directly or indirectly. There are things that can happen to you. Uh, you know, boot camp is something where uh, we had a couple people pass away while I was at Great Lakes. Uh, not in my division, thankfully, but there was one who uh, I believe took his own life and another one who had a uh, massive heart attack while he was there. Those things do kind of happen. But when you hear about something like this, you know, as a Marine Corps veteran, and I know the Marine Corps family is particularly tight when it comes to veterans, when you hear about a young recruit, someone who didn't even get the chance to earn the title of Marine passing away at boot camp. What goes through your head? What kind of feeling do you have about something like
3: that? I mean, first off my thoughts go out to the family. Cause that's just got to suck. I mean, first when you send your son off to MCRD San Diego and they don't come home. That's bad. Uh, but it's amazing. I mean, I don't understand how that could happen. I mean, there's a, such a rigorous medical test you go through. Uh, I don't know. It's I'm kind of speechless. It's one of those things that catches you off. because Number one, I went to MCRC San, San Diego. I'm a Hollywood Marine.
1: Yeah, you can tell. I we'll look at the hair, Jake. Uh, it's
3: perfect. Yeah, perfect, <laughs> uh, perfectly quaffed hair. But it's one of those things where, like, I can't even think of an incident. I mean, the thing that happened in my boot camp time was somebody went UA on T2 and went out the back hatch on Firewatch with me and left me there. That's a whole other story. Oh, we could, wow. I could probably entertain you guys for hours <laughs> with that. But he jumped all three fences and ran across the airport right there, if you've mm. never been to San Diego. If you look over to your left when you land, you will see beautiful MCRD San Diego. Yeah. Those. That is not a resort. That is a boot no, camp.
1: No, that's 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 basic yeah, training that for is. the yeah. West Coast Marines, everybody the thing is, west of the Mississippi. E-
2: even with the medical tr- uh, rigorous medical testing, you never know. Like, yeah, we yeah. had, like, my first cycle, we had a, a soldier who um, was, by all accounts, fine. He made his initial PT test okay. When we did the midterm PT test, uh, we were on the run, and by all accounts, his heart just stopped. Yeah. and he he just collapsed on there and my my senior drill sergeant was there giving him cpr for like 10 minutes while we were waiting for the paramedics but he was already gone
1: yeah and as a drill sergeant is there any, i mean do they prepare you for that? You guys have to go through. I'm sure some sort of medical training. Like, what's the level of medical training as a drill sergeant? You had to go through.
2: Pretty much, it's combat lifesaver. We're, oh, okay. we, we don't we don't train for things like that because they're so rare. Yeah, it's more of he had uh, civilian um, EMT training, okay. so he was able to do that. That works. Yeah, Cause cause the but,
1: combat lifesaver program I've been through, but uh, yeah, they don't teach you how to deal with like uh, health issues, heart attacks, or right. illness. It's about casualties it's about someone who took Such a shot a collapsed collapsed long yeah <laughs> putting that uh using i think one point they showed us how to use a pen to create the uh open airway for that yeah and all chesty that stuff. yeah yeah, all that which i forgot most of it. i think i still have the manual for my combat lifesaver course at home um, yeah, but
2: you're you're never even as a drill sergeant you're never prepared for something like that because i mean it's just one of those things where you have to keep constant eye on your troops and make sure you're watching them 24 7 because you never know
1: yeah You also never know what's going to happen just when you're working at, I don't know, the post office on a military installation in Washington, Uh D.C. You've probably heard about those uh, suspicious packages that were sent to Joint Base Anacostia Bowling uh, and several other D.C. area uh, military installations. They have made an arrest. A gentleman named Fan Kong Fan, 43 years old. He was arrested, hey, out in your neck of the woods, Everett, Washington. Here's an interesting thing everett washington is home to a fairly large oh. navy base i believe yeah. isn't isn't that where uh oh, uh, what's over in everett oh my goodness i was in the navy I should know this. Now it's east there a coast most of my over time. There?
3: Yeah, there's. A sub- yeah, I mean, isn't that the reason why they picked Seattle to throw all the Russians out? I yeah, mean. <laughs> I,
1: there's there's a whole there's that big thing. There's an air station over yeah. there. That's where the uh, Sky Penis was, I believe, was out, and uh, they were coming out of Washington. I think it was in yeah. Northern California. The when joint, they saw the it. Uh,
3: Joint uh, Base McCord is out there too. Yep, there's a McCord.
1: lot of stuff out there. My uh, cousin, who was in the Ranger Battalion, he was stationed out at uh, out in Washington. So uh, there are plenty of military installations in Washington State. I don't know if Mr. Fan wrote down the wrong addresses and threw a DC on afterwards and they just figure, well, he must have meant Joint Base Anacostia. He has been arrested. He appeared yesterday in a federal courtroom in Seattle. He's charged with one count of a shipment of explosive materials. That's it so far. Uh, The criminal complaint alleges that he sent them through the U.S. Mail on March 16th from Mill Creek, which is outside of Seattle. Uh, He has a detention hearing on Friday afternoon. You wonder what the hell is going through someone's mind when they do something like that and what would make I well I guess the nation's capital there's certain things in this country that are always going to be targets New York City la uh Washington DC I mean Des Moines Iowa is probably not the biggest target I think it's not going to make the biggest splash um, although you got to be vigilant out there too because you never know in
3: this yeah I mean, look last week with Austin I mean oh the, yeah which I mean,
1: Austin I, a place where uh I that there are crazy people everywhere you yeah. got to remember that yeah. outside of our country inside of our country. Crazy people gonna find a way to crazy, and that guy certainly did down in Austin. Uh, thankfully, uh, he's he's done with what he was doing. The people in uh, in Washington D.C. can you imagine being the postal clerk at the base post office? Like, oh, what's this?
0: This package is ticking.
1: <laughs> Why is there a fuse? Like an old cartoon, old uh. old timey cartoon fuse sticking out with sparks coming out of the top of it. Uh, nobody really knows exactly what is going on with this, but it comes just a week after Hafiz Kazi, that's the immigrant and longtime legal resident from the Bay Area, uh, basically drove a burning minivan with tanks of gasoline and propane through the gates of Travis Air Force Base out in California, and they're like, well, we don't know if this is an incident of terrorism. Okay, I seem to know. I mean, it seems fairly clear to me what yeah. other reason would someone have for driving that. And I'm, and I'm not saying it because his name is Hafiz Kazi. I'm saying it because he tried to drive a truck full of explosives into the gate of a military base. Whether he was doing so on behalf of the Branch Davidians in Waco or ISIS, it would be a terrorist act. Now... Here's the thing. We had a story on this on ConnectingVets.com this week, and it's correct. It's 100% correct, and I have this uh, argument, and I have to correct people about this all the time. Matt Sainsing wrote, hey, these things that happened in Austin, they were terrifying, but are they terrorism? And the answer is no, until you know that there's a political motivation for it or political or ideological background. And with Mr. Kazee, um, he was burnt to a crisp inside of that van, stuffed with propane and gas, which, okay, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. That was his yeah. Uh, this is, um, we don't know what his motivation was and if they come out, if they find it, are they going to let us know? That's another question that you have, because what would be the benefit of, uh, of them letting us know our military bases already know there are people who want to come after him, you know, telling them that, yeah, this guy definitely did. I think they figured it out when they saw the van on fire driving towards them with propane tanks exploding. Uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's, it's just very, uh, uh, very interesting. The Los Angeles Times points out something interesting, and this dates back to what we were talking about yesterday with the media. The swiftness of fans' arrest stood in sharp contrast to the three-week hunt for a serial bomber who terrorized the Austin area. What 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 are you talking what about? It, what, what does th- one have to do with the other?
3: Because one didn't put a return address on his envelope.
1: Yeah, the, the less than one year length of the uh, de- Operation Desert Storm contrasted sharply to World War II, which uh. lasted for like,
2: what are you doing? stop it trying to push an agenda it's the same way that, that's the reason why they keep pointing out that they're not describing the austin kid as a terrorist like well why not he was terrifying people well we don't know his motivations yet
1: they do they know and they say no it's not a terrorist
3: thing this is this is just a, a crazy well, he person he said an apology i mean he videotaped his I own videotaped apology. his
2: apologies or
1: uh, it was kind of an apology it was i wish i were sorry for this yeah. but i'm not which no. well uh, thank you i guess i, I don't mean know.
3: i you know i kind of you know the, the polite terrorist yeah. or or bomber. It's, I mean, I, what's the difference between him and Tim McVeigh or someone else? I mean, is it a body count that gives you the domestic terrorist title? It's it's the
1: the definition of terrorism is that there has to be a political or ideological motivation. That's what it comes down to. So, uh, if you are Timothy McVeigh, who they were like weird militia, white nationalist separatist, he was at Waco. Oh, he was. There's
3: video footage of him out on the road. With Waco, the Davidians behind him, oh, yeah. selling bumper stickers.
1: They were big on that, and Ruby Ridge was the other one that they yeah. were big on, which Ruby Ridge is kind of a messed up story, and Waco is as well. And I mean, Waco's was pretty all, messed up, too. Yeah, all of it was messed up. That was a weird time, and a time that, I was talking to Jonathan about this yesterday. I think we may be headed towards a time where we see some more cults rising up out there. I was watching the movie Wild, Wild documentary series Wild Wild Country on Netflix from the Duplass Brothers about the uh, Rajneeshis out in Oregon in the early 1980s fascinating story, and I think, I don't know why, but I think that there's some stuff going on right now that just has us primed for some crazy cult activity coming up. I know we're primed for the American Legion coming up, and they'll be here with us in studio in just a couple minutes. Along with them will be Eric Mitchell, founder and CEO of Life Flip Media, who is our special guest co-host today. You're listening to The Morning Briefing on intercomsconnectingvets.com. We'll be back with Legion's Freddie Gessner after this. Welcome back to the Morning Briefing, Wednesday, March 28th, 2018 edition. Does it surprise anybody that's already March 28th of 2018? By the way, where's my jetpack and flying car? I was promised both of those by the year 2000 and have neither. What I do have is an amazing website that focuses on the veteran experience focuses on the veteran community, focuses on the veteran news, and that is intercoms connectingvets.com. Connecting vets every day. Go to the site right now in our top three stories. Although, hey, they change throughout the day, so who knows how much longer they will be. President Trump wants military funding for the border wall, the former SEAL making waves in the energy drink biz. That's Sean Matson. Former officer on SEAL Team 4, now president and co-founder of Strikeforce Energy. Also, a problem going on over at the VA with background checks and oh so much more. You can find out about all of this by visiting ConnectingVets.com. And of course, the best way to be kept up to date with what's going on on the site is to follow us on social media. We are at Connecting Vets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So give us a follow, a little tap on your phone, a little click of your mouse will change your life for the better. And make sure that you are living the best veteran life that you can. Joining us now in studio, we have two very special guests, one of which is a veteran, one of which, he's going to be one soon, but he's currently serving in the military, and we are proud to welcome two Our ConnectingVets.com studio, retired Brigadier General John Rose and Master Sergeant Leandre Felder. They're here to talk to us about the 50th anniversary commemoration of the Vietnam War, as well as Vietnam Veterans Memorial Day, which is coming up tomorrow on March 29th. So, General, Master Sergeant, thank you so much for joining us today.
4: Thank you for having us. Thank you, sir, for having us here.
1: Now, let's start with uh, the senior man in the room, Brigadier General Rose, you, of course, served for 30 years, you told me. Tell us just a little bit about that service, when you joined, where you're from, and what you did while you were in.
0: I graduated from the University of Dayton in Dayton, Ohio, back in 1968, and if one remembers the late 60s, you know there was a lot going on in our country. It was not only the Vietnam War, dissension to the Vietnam War, but there were some real challenges with our relationship with the African-American community at that particular point in time. Uh, here I am, a 21 year old uh, lieutenant. Uh, in fact, you know, the draft ex- existed at that time, so right. there was no choice as to what I was going to do. So I entered the Army uh, through the ROTC program and ended up going to Vietnam shortly thereafter. I spent from uh, March of 1969 until April of 1970 with the AmeriCal Division up in I Corps. First started off with a Hawk unit, a Hawk missile unit. It was withdrawn. Uh, went to division headquarters for a short period of time but ended up as what they called an 11 Bravo an infantryman with the 196th infantry brigade in uh, in the northern part of of Vietnam it was uh, it was quite inexperienced to say the very least Uh, and and you know after that I I had the opportunity to serve all over the world Uh, spent a lot of time in Europe uh, time in the Pentagon time here in the United States uh, just really I got to tell you I, I thoroughly enjoyed it it was a wonderful experience and uh, one I will never I will never forget
1: what was the date out of curiosity that you left the army what was the date of your retirement that would have been June of 1998. You and I missed each other by two months. I enlisted in the Navy in August of 1998. So our, our service almost connected, which I think would surprise some people, considering that you served in Vietnam and, and I served in Afghanistan in 2010, that, that those generations, while to, to many people it seems so long ago, it's really not, man. There are a lot of Vietnam veterans who uh, served for a long time and, and have a lot of things in common with the current generations. Would you agree with that? Yeah, Absolutely. No question. One person who served. I'm guessing he started a little bit before 1998. So your service dates did connect a little bit. That's Master Sergeant LeAndre Felder who joins us on the morning briefing. Master Sergeant, thank you for joining us. And same question for you. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself. When you joined, where you're from, and what you did.
4: Wow. Well, Eric, good morning. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> joined, I joined back in 1996, August 1996. Okay. Uh, it is my only route to getting... Out of my community okay um it's fascinating I only join tell you to uh to go to school right a lot of people did and the first three years I say you know something this is easy and I stayed with it and I stayed the course and now 22 years later I'm still showing great leadership to young soldiers doing what I need to do. I've been so many different places, states, countries. uh, Wow. It's been a great, a great ride and something that I I, I wouldn't, if I had to do it again, I'd do it exactly the same way. There you go.
1: 22 years in. And as you told us, getting close to retirement, you're looking at about one more year before you get out. We can't talk to you about what that veteran transition was like for you because it hasn't happened just yet, but General Rose, you, of course, retired in 1998, just a couple months before I joined the Navy, what can you tell us about what that was like? I think most people think of the the flag officer, the general officer, as being someone who's going to be able to leave the military and be primed for success, ready to succeed right away for everything to go smoothly as they transition to veteran status. Is that how it went for you, or what do you remember about that period?
0: What I remember most is the fact that the military did have a program that allowed us to think about what we needed to do and how we needed to prepare and really what we wanted to do. Uh, and 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 I'm very grateful for that nonetheless transition out of a profession that you spent 30 years in is somewhat scary if not uncertain Mm. Uh, and so you know I just resorted back to uh, to my background to my education to what it was I really wanted to do so when I left the military initially I went into the business community and uh, served with a small company known as Nichols Research Corporation bought up by computer sciences corporation uh, but that really was not what I wanted to do. So I ended up uh, accepting a position with the Defense Department as the director of the George C. Marshall European Center for Security Studies in Garmisch, oh, wow. Germany. Spent eight years there. Best time of my life in terms of having the opportunity to interact with our international partners from around Europe and your Asia to talk about rule of law, democracy, uh, and uh, things, of, things of that nature. It was just uh, incredible.
1: On oh, the Garmish Park and area is one of the most beautiful places in the world. So you picked a good place to end <laughs> up, to be out there. I mean, even in the wintertime, that's a place where you, you don't mind being because it's it just is. so beautiful. Uh, as you look at someone like Master Sergeant Felder, who's coming up on his retirement, what advice would you give to him as he sits here next to you today on preparing for that? Because I think the biggest thing when it comes to retirees is that for Master Sergeant Felder, his life has been that uniform for 20-plus years it's, it's still going to be a part of his life, but it's not going to be the everyday focus in the same way that it was for those 20-plus
0: years. What advice would you give to someone like him who's getting prepared for that transition? It, it seems somewhat like a cliche, but you've got to follow your dreams. you got to follow what it is you want to do and what difference do you want to make in life. life. You know, life is all about what I call the dash. The dash. Born, dash, died. What do you want to do that's going to make a difference, that's going to give you the feeling of satisfaction, of happiness, that you've really made a contribution? And that's got to come from your heart. That's got to come from what it is you really believe in and what you want to accomplish.
1: Very wise words. I tried to follow my heart, but all the male modeling shots that I sent out got sent back to me with uh, no thanks written on them in a Sharpie. But, hey, I I ended up doing something that I love doing here at ConnectingVets.com. That's where I am right now, in the ConnectingVets.com studio with retired Brigadier General John Rose, U.S. Army, and active U.S. Army Master Sergeant LeAndre Felder and... After talking to you guys about your careers, let's talk about what you're really here to talk to us about. And that's the fact that we're celebrating 50 years, the commemoration of 50 years from the Vietnam War. And specifically tomorrow, March 29th, is Vietnam Veterans Memorial Day. So, General Rose, what do those things mean to you? I mean, first, what does 50 years from Vietnam mean to you? And then second, how important is it to have a day like Vietnam Veterans Memorial
0: Day? Let's look back to where we were 50 years ago or during that time frame let's say when American forces were in Vietnam from 1955 to 1975 Mm. we came home to a very different America we came home and clearly American servicemen and women were not really recognized were not appreciated were not thanked were not honored for what it is they did during a very difficult time in our country's history So I think it's important that right now our organization, the Vietnam War Commemoration, takes the time to remember, to recognize, to honor, and to thank Vietnam War veterans for the contributions that they made. We're not trying to go back and refight the Vietnam War. We're here to connect with those men and women that served uh, and to show thanks and appreciation for for what they have accomplished. And I'll tell you, I think it's important. And the reason why I think this is important is – to me it was the vietnam war veterans that really made america great again Hmm. you know when vietnam veterans came back they didn't quit on their country we didn't leave and go elsewhere we stayed here we knew what we were up against uh yet we focused on what we needed to do to rebuild our country to rebuild the pride and prestige we had in our profession and look what it's done it's built the. The most professional uh, military the world has ever seen one that we are all very very proud of Uh, so i i i turn to my fellow vietnam veterans and say stand tall be proud of what you did because of the what we together have accomplished really over the course of the last 50 years so so tomorrow as you have identified is a special day and it's a day where we ought to all stand up be proud of what it is we have accomplished acknowledge what it is the vietnam veterans and our families went through and what they did for for our country you know this reminds
1: me of uh, an interview that I did recently with a friend of mine, a guy that I worked with. He was, at the time, a former Marine who was working at the Navy Recruiting District in Jacksonville. We talked every day. We had uh, some shared loves of comedy and some other things. Had a great time talking to Pete every day. He came on my show a couple months ago, and uh, we talked about his the fact that he started to do stand-up comedy in his 70s. He started doing stand-up comedy, and we also talked about his service in Vietnam. I knew he'd served in Vietnam But then I found out so much more about him. I found out that one of his uh, buddies in his unit in Vietnam was the father of Scott Fujita, the NFL player. I found out that after getting out of Vietnam, he became a a police officer in New York and worked Woodstock on horseback. I mean, just these fascinating stories and these amazing things that he had never told me about. And afterwards, I kind of asked him, hey, Pete, why have you never talked about this? And He said that, you know, he he didn't really know. It was partially because I never asked. I mean, who do you ask? Hey, did you ever work at Woodstock on horseback? That's not a question that comes up typically. But as a Vietnam veteran, I think he, like many people, kind of reticent to talk about that period of time. How important is it and how happy are you to see that some of that's going away
0: in these days? the Vietnam War commemoration has the opportunity to travel throughout all of the United States to address various veteran groups, to address various organizations that bring veterans together where we can talk about share experiences and present them with what we call the presidential lapel pin, Mm. uh, which which goes to all Vietnam War era veterans, those that served in country and those that did not because they all contributed uh, to where we show a sense of thanks and appreciation to, to to what they've done, and to be able to go out there and bring those men and women together, and to honor their contribution and those of our families. Let's not forget those, because I got to tell you that was a tough time for for a lot of people oh, as yeah. well. I think it's just so 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 critical and so important. Matt
1: Sergeant Felder When you look at the fact, I mean, you joined two years before I did, 96, 98. We were both in during the period of, um, you know, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. I see the combat action badge on your uniform there. You've obviously gone over there based on that. Um, How important do you think it is for today's Army, today's Navy, today's Marine Corps to recognize uh, the sacrifices made by the Vietnam era veterans, Not, not just the sacrifices that they made in Vietnam, but also the work that they did when they came back because, Part of their focus, I know, from speaking to so many Vietnam veterans throughout my life, is so that what happened to them when they came back would never happen again. We've been involved in some fairly unpopular wars (laughs) recently, but the public reception to the military has remained generally positive. How how important do you think it is for today's young soldiers to realize uh, what those who went before them, like General Rose, did?
4: Well, Eric, it's very imperative that we look at the Vietnam veteran's thank and honor every last one of them to try to mend a void because of what happened to them coming back from the Vietnam war. Uh, It's, it's so important because their, their legacy gives us something bright to look at right now. Right. They paved the way. So it's very important for us to thank and honor every Vietnam veteran, their family members, Just to say thank you, a grateful nation thanks and honors you because of their dedication, their sacrifice, their commitment to duty. Right. I mean, it's just so many things that you could say about a a Vietnam veteran, you know, but the thing I love to tell them, the last thing out of my mouth is welcome home. Right. Because they deserve it. And a lot of them didn't get it back at that time. General?
0: Eric, may I just add – I could remember coming back from Vietnam and landing at Fort uh, Lewis in in Washington, the state of Washington, being met by a non-commissioned officer and advised at that point in time to take off my uniform because we were not going to be welcome back in the United States. Mm. What I think is important to remember is that tomorrow, Vietnam War Recognition Day, uh, all 50 states in our country are going to have some sort of celebration to honor, to thank, and to recognize the contribution of the Vietnam veterans right. that is a sea change that is something i think we all can be very proud and pleased with it absolutely
1: is. And it's something that I, I want to bring up to the two of you that a lot of people I told, you know, oh, yeah, we're having General Rose come on the show. We're going to talk about this, this uh, Vietnam Veteran uh, M- Remembrance Day, and Memorial Day. It's coming up tomorrow. A lot of people aren't aware of it. A lot of people aren't aware of it happening. Do you think that's mostly because uh, it's, it's a fairly new thing that we are doing? And what do you think we can do to get more of the word out there to the Vietnam veteran community as well as the veteran and civilian community as a
0: whole? Tomorrow is the very first event. It's the very first time we do this. I would be willing to bet that when you've got all states participating to some extent, this is going to start to grow and I think take on a a much wider dimension. I expect next year it will even be bigger and better, and I hope that it will continue to do so for some years to come. I think it's just a matter of marketing and advertising, Eric, yes. as in everything else that we do in life. Yep. And uh, I know we've tried hard to get the word out. I know that the commemoration office has done enormous, uh, has undergone an enormous effort to try to advertise that and to, and to get people involved. And And it will it will take time, but uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there.
1: Overall, as I was just talking about with Master Sergeant Felder, about how the Vietnam generation and the Vietnam veterans that I know, like at my VFW post up in uh, Huntington Station, Long Island, which uh, by at the time I joined, it was basically Vietnam vets who were leading the charge. I mean, they were the they were the generation that was in charge of the VFW post. Do you think that Vietnam veterans are happy with how the military is treated today? And I I, I can tell you that there is certainly a large uh, amount of responsibility for that is on the Vietnam veterans, the positive view of our military. Uh, how, how, how do you think Vietnam veterans view the way the military is looked at today by the public?
0: I think from my perspective, we should be absolutely delighted of how America and, and our culture is treating the veterans that come back today. We know what they go through. We have a real sense of what they have experienced, and to see the United States and the people of the United States appreciate that, and to show the respect and admiration for what it is they have done, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's really a wonderful turnaround. That's great. That's something that we need to continue to do, and we must never forget that. Mm. How important
1: is it with the Vietnam generation aging. I mean, if you if you joined uh, in, at 18 years old towards the tail end of Vietnam, you're no longer a young man anymore. I mean, general, pressing company accepted. You're a young fellow. Uh, you're going to be around for a much long time, I, I imagine. But with the Vietnam generation aging and more Vietnam veterans leaving us each day, how important do you think it is for the public at large and for their fellow veterans to honor those who did what they did in Vietnam for our military and what they did afterwards for our veterans as well?
0: When I have the opportunity to speak to a group of Vietnam veterans or any veterans group, I tell them three things. Number one, we have got to, in fact, honor, recognize, and thank those that are still around, those that have made their contribution, those that are still suffering through the the, the trauma that they experience. Number two, we must never forget those that paid the greatest sacrifice, the over 58,000 men and women that that were killed in Vietnam those that are missing those that are still suffering today to one extent or the other and then thirdly and maybe maybe and equally as important I think it's important that we share our experiences with the younger generation with 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 our children our grandchildren with with those young men and women that were on the streets of Washington DC this past Saturday Hmm. they have got to understand what the country was like then what we faced what we experienced what the men and women in the service experienced, what they did, what they gave up, and the, and the stress on the families back here. We must never forget that. We must share that with the next generation.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're joined by retired Brigadier General John Rose, United States Army Vietnam veteran, as well as Master Sergeant LeAndre Felder. Master Sergeant Felder, what is the Army doing in honor of the Vietnam veterans for this 50th commemoration, as well as uh, the inaugural Vietnam Veterans Memorial Day tomorrow?
4: Well, um, Eric, the Army is doing great things, but it's, not, it's more than just the Army. Right. It's a joint effort with every service. Tomorrow is National Vietnam War Veterans Day. Don't you know over 50, 50, th- 50 states and six territories are doing something in any shape, form, fashion to commemorate this day mm-hmm. along with the exchanges? Army exchanges, Air Force exchanges, Marine Corps exchanges, and Navy exchanges. Also, with the um, commissaries, they're all doing something some way, some fashion for tomorrow big day. You know, that's huge.
0: Yeah, it is.
4: This initiative has, it took off like a wildfire. And everyone is jumping on board. So I look at it as such a great accomplishment for tomorrow's first vietnam war veterans day
1: and i think i've kept saying vietnam war veterans memorial day it's actually just vietnam war veterans day tomorrow i you know it's one of those things that i apologize for uh misidentifying it there a couple of times Uh, this is of course uh, a time of history that i don't know as i get older and even when i was younger i felt like young people my fellow young people when i was younger as a bit of a history nerd myself weren't all that aware of what had happened before them, weren't all that interested in history. Master Sergeant, I know to get to the rank that you are, you have to learn quite a bit about military history, so I'm sure you're quite familiar with uh, the Vietnam era. Uh, General Rose, obviously you served in Vietnam, so I know you're quite familiar with everything in Vietnam How important do you think it is to teach our young, particularly our young service members, our younger veterans, but really everybody about what the men and women who served in Vietnam and in that area? Because as you said, just because somebody was over in Guam loading up aircraft, I mean, that was doing their part. That was what they were ordered to do. How important do you think it is to let people know about the tremendous effort that was put forth about the tremendous loss of life as you said 58,000 we're talking about vast vastly more people killed in action than we've seen in Iraq and Afghanistan combined many times more how important do you think it is to teach people about what actually was going on in Vietnam beyond you know what they may have seen in Full Metal Jacket or platoon or
0: something like that if you don't have an opportunity to reflect upon the past and to know and understand how we got to where we are today, uh, I think you're missing, you, you're really missing something. An understanding, a fundamental understanding of our history, of our background, and, it, and it's not just of the Vietnam War. Let's start, let's start talking back with the, the, the founding of our country back mm. in the Revolutionary War and carry that all the way through. Certainly, the Vietnam War was something that I lived through, and, uh, and, and there are about six million of us that are left today that have had that personal experience. But so has society at large. So have our families. So have so many that have been part of it. You've got to understand what occurred, what happened, why it happened, and, and, and what it means to, to us today as we as a society and as a nation have grown. Absolutely.
1: Uh, 100% agree with that. And
0: uh, there's been uh, a, a
1: real resurgence in the Vietnam veteran population coming out and telling their stories. And I'm glad to see that from things like uh, Ken Burns and Lynn Novick's most recent documentary, The Vietnam War, which uh, we were proud to be able to talk to Lynn about their efforts for that. Uh, I think it's really fantastic that we're hearing more of those stories. Those stories that I might have heard at the VFW post or I might have heard from the, the master chiefs that were around when I joined, who had served in Vietnam um Now hearing those stories, getting out more of them to the public and really telling about what they experienced over there, what they experienced when they came home, I think is a truly wonderful thing. And anything that brings more attention to a truly great generation of veterans who what they did after the Vietnam War for the future generations of veterans, I think, may be the longstanding uh, capstone, really, for the Vietnam generation, the efforts that you all made on behalf of us. And we thank
0: you for that. And what I say was possibly a forgotten generation of veterans really as a result of what's happened over the last 50 years, I believe, turns out to be the greatest generation of American veterans.
1: I think that there is certainly an argument to be made for that, and I think it's pretty hard to argue against it. Well, we want to thank Master Sergeant LeAndre Felder and retired Brigadier General John Rose for joining us here on The Morning Briefing and talking about Vietnam veteran Vietnam War Veterans Day, which is coming up tomorrow, March 29th, 2018, the inaugural version of this new holiday. Thanks to them. Of course, also thanks to Freddie Gessner, Deputy National Security Director for the American Legion, and our guest co-host today, Eric Mitchell, founder and CEO of LifeFlip Media, and of course, Marine Corps Veteran. This has been The Morning Briefing. We'll be back tomorrow with another fantastic show. We'll see you then. Have a great day.